11 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast, 3 p.m. in London, in Kyoto, Japan, it is 11 p.m., and in Malaysia, it's 1972. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Welcome all the no-pants weirdos. Nice to have you along for the ride. I'm bright tonight. I, I don't mean mentally. I mean, I mean, the lights are too bright. <laughs> okay. Yes. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Uh, we are here again live. Sarge. Hey, man. <laughs> Good to see you. And nice to have you in on the show. Thank you for stopping by. Uh, it's going well. It's uh, it's Wednesday. We're halfway through the work week. Those of us who are under house arrest are still working from home, although we've opened up a little bit, a little bit. And uh, yeah, so we're slowly trudging our way through the quicksand of progress. And I do mean quicksand. Uh, coming up, we're going to do good cop, bad cop. Also, uh, some inspirational stuff, some happy stuff. Always like to leave you with a little bit of good news. And uh, don't get mad. Uh, don't get sad. Get angry. Patrick Ty has liked the stream. Thank you, Patrick. And thank you for popping in. Appreciate it. Uh, also, uh, thanks to our podcast listeners, those of you who are out there listening after the live stream to the live stream. If you are listening on the podcast, we appreciate that. Howdy, Patrick. Hello. Uh, we appreciate all our podcast listeners on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, just about anywhere you have a podcast platform, whatever it is, search I'm Not Wearing Pants. Look for that logo and you will find us. Click subscribe, click download, and thank you very much for that. And by the way, if you want to see the video version of our show after we're live, that's easy to do. You just go to rumble.com slash jsheldonnopants. All of our shows, all 102 episodes, well, this one, 102, will be up uh, half an hour, an hour after we're live. And, uh, and check us out there. Also, of course, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. YouTube is uh, J. Sheldon Malaysia. Just click that subscribe button and uh, away we go. And thank you for all those of you who have clicked that subscribe button. We appreciate it. Now, if you want one more little piece of business here, if you want to support the show financially, you can do that. We don't do a lot of begging and pleading. I mentioned it one or two times an episode, but just go to patreon.com slash Sheldon. You can sign up there. There are three different levels of uh, supporters. Uh, one is just very inexpensive monthly. It's three bucks a month. It's like nothing. So sign up if you can for uh, just to support the show. Really appreciate that. Our second tier level little more expensive, but not much, still reasonable. And you get access to all of our books. If you have been a fan of this show for a while, or even one or two episodes, you know that we spend the last half of the show or so reading a classic book. We've done them all. Well, 
We will eventually have done them all, I guess. We did The Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland, The Little Prince, which, by the way, we just uploaded The Little Prince to our uh, audiobooks library. And that's what you'll get access to. Uh, all these books where we've taken them and edited them out of the show and just put the books chapter by chapter, part by part, and you get exclusive access to that if you sign up for our second tier level on Patreon. Third level involves some voiceover work and stuff that I'll do for you, but just check it out. Patreon.com slash Sheldon. Sign up if you can to help out. We really appreciate that. All right, enough of business about me. Let's get into business about business, shall we? Uh, oh, look, it's time. Miko update. Yay. Miko's doing fine. There's not a whole lot to update. Uh, Miko, if you don't know, is our little uh, Shiba Inu dog. Ichiko Mikoto. In fact, I'm wearing life where life is better with a Shiba Inu. There you go. Sorry. I had to stand up a little bit. Couldn't stand all the way up because, of course, I'm not wearing pants. So, <sighs> yeah, I've got my life is better with a Shiba Inu shirt on. And it is. Tony, 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 welcome to the stream. It is always good to see you. Oh, 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 and that reminds me. Oh, you're over here. That reminds me. I wanted to tell you, uh, my audience, that Shadow Play, Tony's film that he directed, I'm in it. If you want to check out me and another odd acting uh, performance, you can check out Shadow Play. Tony, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's now available streaming on, what was it, Apple? I forget. I have to look it up. But anyway, or Amazon or Apple, put it in the chat, please, Tony, because I, over there. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I've lost my uh, train of thought here, and I'm not sure exactly uh, what that was. But anyway, it, it is available on a couple different platforms you just do a search for shadow play and uh, the, the movie and you will find places that you can watch it and uh, live stream it or i believe download it check it out brilliant film but i will warn you it's a weird one it's very cool i'm in it <laughs> and uh, well, that's not the only reason to watch it but you know um, but it's it's brilliant. But it is one of those movies where you shut off your phone, you tell your partner to be quiet, and you just watch the film. And even then, you'll kind of go, wow, because it's weird. No, it's damn cool, but it's weird. So anyway, check it out. Shadow Play. Uh, by Tony Pietra and uh, brilliant, brilliant stuff. And uh, a very accomplished filmmaker from here in Malaysia. All right. One of our, uh, one of our um, thumbnails tonight was good cop, bad cop. Look, there's a lot of crap cops out there, okay? And I'm not just talking about Malaysia. Every country has them. Bad cops. I spent five years working for the Internal Affairs Department as a detective uh, for the Monroe County Sheriff's Department in Monroe County, Florida. I know from bad cops. That was my job, to weed out the bad cops. But there are also 
a whole bunch of really fantastic cops. Cops who do the job for all the right reasons. Cops who put on that badge and who go out there and put their life on the line for you and me every day of the week, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they need our support. <laughs> Nowadays in the U.S., probably more than ever. But um, look, I I'm, I'm like I said, I used to work for Internal Affairs. I know from bad cops, there are bad cops. And, but there's a ton of, hopefully the bigger percentage are good cops. And when we find them, we want to tip our hat to them and, uh, and say thank you. And this is just one small example of some of the things, you know, when trouble happens, a cop against all human instinct runs towards the trouble, whereas you run away. Shots fired, buildings burning, including the fire department, uh, whatever. Whatever bad thing is going on while you're running away, they're running towards it. Keep that in mind. And when you need help, they're there. And these officers from Malaysia deserve an enormous round of applause. Uh, these are traffic cops. Their job is traffic. But when they see other things happening and they need to get involved, they get involved. And these heroic traffic cops, this is from World of Buzz, by the way, a hat tip to World of Buzz. Uh, you can check out the whole story over there, including the pictures. Uh, heroic traffic police officers praised after saving a family from flash floods. And they did that without any protective gear. As you can see in this picture, they were just pretty much in their regular uniforms. In fact, one of these guys still has his helmet on. And... Um, yeah, it says, I pray you get promoted. Well, I hope so, too. On the evening of the 16th of August, two heroic police officers who were patrolling nearby immediately rushed to uh, Sungai Klang, Kuala Lumpur, after they received reports of, from the public regarding a family that was trapped in a flash flood. Now, the victims, a couple and their daughter, were fishing along the Klang River, and their experience turned nightmarish when they almost drifted away from the strong currents in the river, which was caused by high uh, water levels. We've had incredible rain for the last few days. Today, it rained the whole day, some heavy, some light, but it's still now sprinkling outside. It is kind of a rainy season here. According to the victims, it started to rain heavily when they were fishing, but they weren't aware of the rise in the water level until it was too late, and they wound up being trapped. There is video of this effort, a valiant effort by the traffic police rescuing the victims, which has been circulated online. Here, let me just play just a little piece of this. They're actually stuck below what looks like some sort of bridge or something. And you can see there the, the water levels rising up. And these cops, amazing, putting their life on the line going down, helping these guys. That's incredible. 20-second video it can be seen. They risk their lives simply hanging onto the iron grill while attempting to, uh, to save the victims. Despite their lack of protective gear and equipment, the victims were successfully rescued and no injuries were reported.
reported. And like I said, they, uh, those are some good cops, and they do exist, and they need to be thanked uh, when those occasions arise. They're out there every day. Uh, all right. Shadow play. Tony, if you're, if you're in, uh, let's see, Tony's over on Facebook watching. So for our friends on YouTube and Twitch.tv, I'll let you know. Shadow Play is on Amazon Prime Video, Kinney Dia, Plex, and Tubi. And then Tony put a link in the chat. And uh, if you want, go to Facebook where we are live on I'm Not Wearing Pants on our Facebook page. That's if you're on YouTube or watching on Rumble.com later on for the video or on Twitch.tv. So if you want a link directly, you can go over to the Facebook chat and check out Tony's link. And it is there. And you're welcome for the pollock. Yeah, Shotgun Sheldon. That's the, uh, that's the character that I play in uh, in shadow play you got to check it out it's a lot of fun all right <laughs> we we had a blast doing that we really did how many years has it been since we shot that i think two or three i forget exactly all right <laughs> oh man there are some people who just have no luck some people, there's no segue here. It's just bam, here's a new subject. Some people have luck, some people have no luck. You know, it's like people always make the comparison you know, you have a better chance of being struck by lightning than fill in the blank. Well, for Walter Summerford, his chances were probably pretty good. Check this guy out. This is from The Sized over on Facebook. It's incredible. Oh, man. I love lightning, by the way. I love watching lightning. Here in Malaysia, we have one of the highest lightning strikes per hectare or whatever it is in the world. Our lightning strikes here are enormous. Um, we have really decent weather. We don't really suffer from earthquakes or we have flood problems. Lightning, yeah. Um, but, you know, typhoons, hurricanes, tornadoes, very, very rare, if at all. So we're a bit blessed when it comes to really wicked bad weather. But lightning, lightning we got. That's not a problem. You want yourself some lightning? Come to Malaysia. Um, if you have read ahead, you can see where this goes. This is incredible. Walter Summerford was struck by lightning in 1918. Six years later, 1924, again, Boom, struck by lightning. And another six years later, in 1930, he was struck by lightning again. Three times for this guy. And no, it wasn't over yet. Now, it does not say here how he passed away. Apparently, it wasn't from being struck by lightning three times. But after his true story, after his death, in 1932, lightning struck his grave. In 1936, he indeed one of the unluckiest people in history. That is his picture there, and that is a picture of his gravestone split by lightning after he passed away 
1936. Can you imagine? I mean, it's just really kind of uncanny. Lightning seemed to be going after this guy even after he was under the ground. Scary. Wow. Um, oh, back to shadow play. Tony's uh, said three years since we shot it. Wow. Three years ago we shot Shadowplay. My goodness. And two years this month since its initial release. Cool. Very nice. All right. Uh, let's see. What else we got going on here? We don't have a whole lot of deep stuff tonight, but we've got a few nice little, little things to share including perhaps a way to solve our problems. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to how do you measure your life? I saw this posted and um, Jamie, Jamie Varon posted this. I thought I would share it with you. In fact, Jamie Varon wrote this. So a tip of the hat to, uh, to you, Jamie Varon. How you measure your life is how you value your life. You may be tempted to measure it in the obvious societal way, how much you earned, how much you lost, the shape of your body, the amounts, the numbers, the metrics. While those aren't necessarily unimportant, there are more interesting ways to measure your life. How much love you're able to give and receive and allow, how you've healed and lived in the nuance of yourself, how you've grown, how many different versions of you that you've let yourself become. How kind are you to yourself and to others? How compassionate? How's your heart? How's your hope? The measure of your life is too small when you put it into numbers. It's too limited. It doesn't encompass the complexity of you, of a life. How do you love? How do you respond in hard times? Who are you when nobody's watching? Can you be alone with yourself? Have you found a way to negotiate all the world's contradictions and still make time for joy. How alive are you to it all? Answer those questions and you might just find you have a different perspective on your life. Stop measuring it by your weight on the scale or your bank account. There are more important things. You know, I really like the part about who are you when nobody's watching. I used to teach a course at the uh, police academy. And uh, I would do that on, uh, on ethics, police ethics. And um, I had a teacher when I was going through the police academy um, who used... Uh, uh, a saying, he might not have originated it, I don't remember. In fact, it was Sergeant Lopez, who I 
have no idea whatever happened to Sergeant Lopez, but I remember to this day. And that was his theory of the bell, book, and candle. And it applies not just to police officers, but to you, to everyday people, to all of us. The bell, book, and candle. How to tell if something you're about to do is the right thing to do. Bell. If a little bell goes off, you know what I mean? You get that gut feeling or that little, that little philosophical bell goes off in your head and says, mm, wait a minute, is this right? It may not be. That's a good indicator when that little bell goes off. Book. What does the book say? Again, this really applies to a police officer, but go to the book, go to the law, go to the statutes. What does the book say? The bell goes off, check the book, and candle. Whatever you're going to decide or whatever action you're going to take, how is it going to hold up to the light of public scrutiny? And these days, this was 20 over years ago, but the day and age we live in with all these cancel cultures idiots, that really applies more today than anything. The candle. How will what you're about to do or decide stand up to public scrutiny? Bell, book, and candle. When you go to make a decision or you have a decision to make or you're about to decide something or do something, just stop for a minute, even when you're alone, especially when you're alone, and consider the, consider the bell, book, and candle. The bell goes off. What does the book say? And how is that going to stand up to the light of public scrutiny? Brilliant lessons. Thank you, Sergeant Lopez, for that. <laughs> Man, that was a long time ago. But you see how that stuck with me? It's not just your, your teachers in grammar school and middle school and high school and college. It's all the teachers that you have in your life. And we all have teachers. I have teachers to this day. People teach me things. I learn new things. Try and stay fresh, stay ahead of the curve as much as I can. Yeah. Um, what else we got here? Oh, this is nice. This is from Melanie Jameson. I love this, Melanie. Conversations with the Moon, the Accidental Alchemist. I found this earlier on, uh, on Facebook. It is not what you say to everyone else that determines your life. I love how this all interrelates. It's what you whisper to yourself that has the greatest power. Whoa. Nice, huh? It's what you whisper to yourself that has the greatest power. Are you angry? Or are you sad? What are you telling yourself? That you're sad or you're angry? I have said more often than not in the last year, That change is not going to happen when you get sad. When you get sad, or if it turns into a pity party, or self-pity party, it's not going to change anything. Change happens when you get angry. You get inspired. 
Currently in Malaysia, we've got lots of things going on that people are sad about, but nobody's getting angry. And so nothing is going to change. Same thing's happening in the United States. There's a lot going on, but you'll notice there where people are allowed more openly to get angry and to talk about it. They're moving past the sad and they're moving into the angry. And that's when things get done. Don't forget a group of guys who boarded a ship and dumped a whole bunch of tea into Boston Harbor. They were angry. They weren't sad. Their sadness turned to angry, and then that angry turned to action. There's an article that I'm probably not going to share, but I will tell you where you can find it. It's called evolutioncounseling.com. I'll just I'll show you the article and the website here. But uh, it's called Sadness and Anger, and it's rather interesting. EvolutionCounseling.com, and then check out the article called Sadness and Anger. It's under Emotion. Uh, the author here, Michael uh, Schreiner, this is from 2013, by the way. The author makes the argument that anger and sadness have an alliance. Again, I won't bore you with it, but I wanted to share this with you to let you know the article's out there. You should check it out. Um, again, it's evolutioncounseling.com, sadness and anger. It's rather fascinating, actually. All right. A uh, couple more things, and then we're going to move on into the Jungle Book and continue. We're almost at the end, almost at the end of the Jungle Book. And then we're going to do a really special book in one episode next. It's a children's book, but you're going to love it. Trust me. I'll tell you what it is when we finish with the Jungle Book. So that'll be coming up. I uh, just want to share a couple of other little inspirational things because we always like to leave you with something, you know, kind of on the good. And uh, Patrick Lim shared this. My friend Patrick Lim over on Facebook. And I thought it was brilliant. It's very short. But very poignant, especially the world we live in today, where everybody's an instant expert on everything. When you think you know everything, that is when you know nothing. Boom. Wise words, Patrick. When you think you know everything, that is when you know nothing. I love that. I'm going to have that tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> okay, maybe not. All right, one more thing that I had to share. It's very quick, and I'm sorry if you're listening to the podcast. Go to rumble.com slash Pants. You can watch the video. I don't care. You don't need to watch the whole show. Click subscribe. That would be really helpful. It's free. Totally free. Sign up for an account. It's free. Doesn't cost you anything. Subscribe to the show. That's free. J. Sheldon No Pants at Rumble.com. But check this out. This is beautiful. Look at that. You know what that is? That's not a fractal. It's a flower. Unbelievable. Who posted it? With a friend of mine. Oh, Mario. Mario posted this today. I got to scroll down to get the name. 
It's an extremely rare flower from Hawaii. It's called the Hawaii Kalanchoe. Hawaii Kalanchoe. Look at that. That is amazing. It looks like a fractal or something. That's absolutely, look at the colors. That is beautiful. But that is a Hawaii Kalanchoe. There you see the spelling, K-A-L-A-N-C-H-O-E is the way it's spelled. Photo credits to Kevin R. Selter. Incredible. Again, I just wanted to share that because I thought it was amazing. Absolutely beautiful. Wow. All right. <clears throat> cool. Let's, uh, let's do the Jungle Book, shall we? <laughs> we shall. All right. Give me one quick second. And we will call up our boop book cover. There we go. And uh, that is the cover of Rudyard Kipling's book, The Jungle Book, which we have been reading for the last, uh, oh, I don't know, 500 streams. <laughs> this is a long book. I really have to preview these books. I mean, I don't mind because they're lots of fun to read. But you realize it's taking months, like two months to get through a book. So anyway, we are very near to the end of The Jungle Book. And uh, it's... As we've said many times, it's extremely different from the film. This covers everything besides Mowgli. We did the White Seal. We did the Mowgli adventures. And now we've been into the elephants and um, all the excitement that's going on with Kala Nag and the gang. And, of course, the Mahout Little Tumai, who's been learning the ropes of being a Mahout. And... Um, so we're going to continue on with our story here in the Jungle Book. And uh, I think we'll get to the end of this chapter, which will leave us with one more little chapter to go before we're all done and we move on to our next one. So here we go. It is Rudyard Kipling's from 1894, The Jungle Book, where night had fallen and little to my ached in every nerve, but he knew by the smell of the night air that dawn was coming. In our last episode, by the way, he had finally witnessed the elephant dance. The morning broke in one sheet of pale yellow behind the green hills, and the booming stopped with the first ray, as though the light had been in order. Before little Tumai had gotten the ringing out of his head, before even he had shifted his position, there was not an elephant in sight except Kalanag, Pudmini, and the elephant with the rope galls. And there was neither sign nor rustle nor whisper down the hillsides to show where the others had gone. Little Tumai stared again and again. The clearing, as he remembered it, had grown in the night. More trees stood in the middle of it, but the undergrowth, and the jungle grass at the sides had all been rolled back. Little Tumai stared once more, and now he understood the trampling. The elephants had stamped out more room, had stamped the thick grass and juicy cane to trash, the trash into slivers, 
and the slivers into tiny fibers, and the fibers into hard earth. Wah, said little Tumai. His eyes were very heavy. Kalanag, my lord, let us keep by Pudmini and go to Peterson Sahib's camp, or I shall drop from thy neck. The third elephant watched the two go away, snorted, and wheeled around and took his own path. He may have belonged to some little native king's establishment, fifty or sixty or a hundred miles away. Two hours later, at Peterson Sahib was eating early breakfast, his elephants, who'd been on double chain that night, began to trumpet, and Padmini mired to the shoulders with Kalanag, very footsore, shambled into the camp. Little Tumai's face was gray and pinched, and his hair was full of leaves and drenched with dew, but he tried to salute Peterson Sahib, and cried faintly, The dance! The elephant dance! I've seen it, and I die. As Kalanag sat down, he slid off his neck in a dead faint. But since native children have no nerves worth speaking of, in two hours he was lying very contently in Peterson Sahib's hammock, with Peterson Sahib's shooting coat under his head and a glass of warm milk a little brandy with a dash of quinine inside of him. And while the old, hairy, scarred hunters of the jungle sat three deep before him, looking at him as though he were a spirit, he told his tale in short words as a chill wind and wound up with, Now, if I lie in one word, send men to see and they will find that the elephant folk have trampled down more room in their dance room, and they will find ten and ten and many times ten tracks leading to that dance room. They made more room with their feet. I've seen it. Kalanag took me, and I saw. Also, Kalanag is very leg-weary. A little too my laid back and slept all through the long afternoon and into the twilight. And while he slept, Peterson Sahib and Machua Appa followed the track of the two elephants for fifteen miles across the hills. Peterson Sahib had spent eighteen years in catching elephants, and he had only once before found such a dance place. Machua Appa had no need to look twice at the clearing to see what had been done there, or to scratch with his toe in the packed, rammed earth. The child speaks the truth, said he. All this was done last night, and I have counted seventy tracks crossing the river. See, Sahib, where Pudmini's leg iron cut the bark of that tree? Yes, she was there too. They looked at one another, and up and down, and they wondered, for the ways of elephants are beyond the wit of any man, black or white, to fathom. Forty years and five, said Machua Appa, 
I've followed my lord, the elephant, but never have I heard that any child of man has seen what this child has seen. By all the gods of the hills, it is. What can we say? And he shook his head. When they got back to camp, it was time for the evening meal. Peterson Sahib ate alone in his tent, but he gave orders that the camp should have two sheep and some fowls, as well as a double ration of flour and rice and salt, for he knew that there would be a feast. Big Tumai had come up hot foot from the camp in the plains to search for his son and his elephant, and now that he'd found them, he looked at them as though he were afraid of them both. And there was a feast by the blazing campfires in front of the lines of picketed elephants, and little Tumai was the hero of it all. And the big brown elephant catchers, the trackers and drivers and ropers, the men who know all the secrets of breaking the wildest elephants, passed him from one to the other, and they marked his forehead with blood from the breast of a newly killed jungle cock to show he was a forester, initiated, and free of all the jungles. And at last, when the flames died down, and the red light of the logs made the elephants look as though they'd been dipped in blood too, Machua Appa, the head of all the drivers, of all the Kadaz, Machua Appa, Peterson Sahib's other self, who had never seen a made road in forty years. Machua Appa, who was so great that he had no other name than Machua Appa, leaped to his feet, with little Tumai held high in the air above his head, and shouted, Listen, my brothers! Listen to you, my lords, and the lines there, for I, Machua Appa, am speaking. This little one shall no more be called little Tumai, but Tumai of the Elephants, as his great-grandfather was called before him. What never man has seen, he has seen through the long night, and the favor of the elephant folk and of the gods of the jungle is with him. He shall become a great tracker, he shall become greater than even I, Machua Appa. He shall follow the new trail and the stale trail and the mixed trail with a clear eye. He shall take up no harm in the Kadah where he runs under their bellies to rope the wild tuskers. And if he slips before the feet of the charging bull elephant, the bull elephant shall know who he is and not crush him. I hi, my lords in the chains, he whirled up the line of pickets. Here is the little one that has seen your dance in your hidden places. The sight that never man saw. Give him honor, my lords. Salam, Karo, my children. Make your salute to, to my of the elephants. Gunga Prashad, aha. Hiraj Guj. 
Birchi Guch, Kutar Guch, aha, Butmini, thou hast seen him at the dance, and thou too. Kalanag, my pearl among elephants, together, to Dumai of the elephants, Barao. And at last, the wild yell, the whole lineup flung up their trunks and touched the tips with their foreheads and broke out into the full salute, the crashing trumpet peal that only the Viceroy of India hears, the Salamut of the Kada. For it was all for the sake of little Tumai, who had seen what never man had seen before, the dance of the elephants at night and alone in the heart of the Garrow Hills. Wow. That's quite a chapter. <laughs> All right. Coming up next time, it's Shiv and the Grasshopper, uh, Her Majesty's Servants. And indeed, Her Majesty's Servants is our final chapter in the Jungle Book. And we will have that for you coming up next time on our live stream. There we go. Okay. That settles it, guys. We're done. We're out of here. We appreciate you uh, stopping by. Please don't forget patreon.com if you'd like to uh, help out to support the show. We've reduced and uh, we've brought down our prices, so it's very affordable over there for you to help support. And for our second and third tier level, you get some rather cool, uh, cool bennies. So check it out. Patreon.com slash Jay Sheldon, no pants. Until next time, my friends, I will see you again Saturday night. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Good night. Yo.